0: Hey guys, happy holidays. Uh, We've got Stephen Willis, the founder of Growing Poker, on the podcast today. Uh, A couple quick announcements. Uh, You guys have probably heard, but the Just Hands membership is going strong. Uh, We've got our Slack group, which is growing every week. If you follow us on Twitter, at Just Hands Poker, you can see some highlights from the Slack group. You can find out more information at justhandspoker.com slash membership. Alright, enjoy the episode.
1: Hello Jack hello zach how you doing good uh just had a big recording session yesterday uh i haven't been thinking about poker that much over the last week but that's all about to change in a few minutes we have another musician on the podcast today i think th- this is a first three musicians uh we have steven willis uh how are you doing today steven i'm doing great thanks for having me on
0: yeah of course so, Stephen, we'll, we'll cut right to it. Uh, we want to talk some poker. We hear you have a hand for us.
2: So, yeah, um, this hand was actually at uh, the WGT event in Choctaw over the summer. It was a uh, the Choctaw 300K. So uh, I was in the – it was really early on. And the guy who I was in the hand with was, um, he was playing a lot of hands, Um Doing really well out out the gate, but I knew long run he was he was gonna uh not be in for too long because he was just playing way too many hands too early on so at, at the time uh, of, I, oh sorry
1: go ahead uh at the time of this hand about h- how long specifically have you been playing with him like a few hours thirty minutes
2: I wanna say it was about an hour and a half. I think it was either, like, just before or just after the... No, in fact, it it was right before the first break.
1: Got it. And would, like, half of hands be in the ballpark of how often he was voluntarily putting money in the pot? I would say, yeah, for sure. Okay. So,
2: um, I was under the gun plus one. I I, I ended up raising to about three... I, I was raising a little bigger in this tournament, so probably three and a half to four times the size. Of the big blinds, and it folded around to him. He was in the big blind and called. Okay, uh, what what were the the stack sizes? No, they are they, they were fifty hundred. So I raised, uh, yeah, to about 4, four, uh, four x uh, four twenty five.
1: Okay, and he how much yeah, should, how much did you have behind? So like, what are the effective stacks between you two?
2: I had a 7.5k and he had around he, he had me covered. I uh going to say he had around double. Okay. Um, okay, well you're you're the effective stack.
0: Uh and the starting stack was 10k. I think the starting
2: stack was 8k.
1: 8k. Huh. Okay. So, this tournament's actually a fairly shallow one, even though it's like... So, you said this was like the Choctaw main? It was the Choctaw 300k. Okay. And... Okay, yeah. So, an hour and a half in, 75 big blinds. I guess that's that's not that shallow. Uh, how, how many players were in the field? I was just kind of curious. Uh, let's see if I rack my brain here. Uh, it was
2: a pretty good field size. It wasn't as big as that tournament has been in the past, I guess. But it was good size field, because... That one's a smaller buy-in, so a lot of the uh, locals will come and play that one. Um, so I want to say that one was around 3,000 entrants. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's a lot. Okay, so remind me what you had. Oh, uh, I had, uh, sorry, I, I had 7-7. Seven seven. So pocket sevens, and I raised to 425, and he called. Uh, from the big blind. Okay. Okay, and I'm just curious.
0: Would you say this uh, raising to slightly over four x is that your a pretty typical raise size for you? Uh,
2: that was for, for that tournament. It was. Um, I was that, that that was my first big field tournament, um, and so that that was my strategy going in was to raise big and to not have to worry about. Super complicated decisions post flop.
1: Were you doing that, like from, to kind of maximize expected value to just kind of have more fun? Like what, what was what were some of the motivators behind you know not having complicated decisions post flop?
2: Um, Well, I knew going in that I was going to be you know super nervous, going to be my first uh, you know big field live tournament, so it was yeah probably way to maximize EV. Um, against against players who were more more experienced, for sure. Okay, I mean, I mean, that's definitely a legitimate strategy
0: if you're if you're feeling nervous and you you want to simplify things and shorten the effective stacks or shorten the SPR heading to the flop Mm -hmm. to raise larger with a strong sizing or or a strong range makes sense. Uh, I think sevens if you're going to be raising this big from early position. Uh sevens has to be kind of towards the bottom of your opening range. Oh, for sure. Uh, but I think that I think sevens is, you know, totally fine within that the context of that strategy.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that raising, you know, large with a stronger range early on in this tournament uh is definitely gonna be, you know, opening strategy. I just wonder if there's maybe a balance kind of between like, you know, two and a half X and four X where you're, you're still not getting into a ton of spots post flop but you're you know making other players kind of make make bad calling mistakes I feel like for a size closer to 3x you're probably gonna get not like you're gonna get significantly more bad calls than you will at 4x um, oh, like yeah. not not proportional to the hundred so I I would guess that probably a little bit lower uh, you're not gonna get into that many more t- Tough spots. You'll get into a few more, but you'll you'll really maximize EV just you know the next time you play you know a larger field tournament and are in the early stages. Oh yeah. Uh, well,
2: well. Anyway, the the flop came great for me. It was uh, ten seven three, giving me a set. And, okay. Uh, ten seven three rainbow. Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, ten okay. seven three rainbow.
0: Well, that's lovely.
2: No, it it was awesome.
0: All right. So, so did you decide to? Bet or did you want to slow play, check raise type of thing or check I call?
2: Considered that, and I think if I were playing in a, if I were were, were more comfortable and experienced doing live, uh, you know, a large event like that at, at the time, I probably would have um, definitely considered slow playing it. But uh, the big blind checked, and I ended up raising to uh, twelve hundred. And then he uh, he called me. So is that right? I,
0: and I forgot you were in position. I'm just thinking that you were the earlier position raiser.
1: So oh, obviously, yeah, check,
0: check raising is not an option here. So I, I think absolutely betting is the right call. To me, it seems like maybe a bit of a large sizing, considering the board texture. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not a lot of draws I think he's very likely to stick around with, and he doesn't have a ton of top hair. So I guess if we can if we can get him to hang around with some of his ace highs that's going to be really good for us. And I think betting sort of close to pot, you know, we we will fold out a lot of his ace highs and maybe some of his you know, 4s, 5s, 6s that might have called one street.
1: Yeah, I also I I think, you know, taking the reads that you have before if 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 this guy has let's say around 50% of hands in this spot closing the action, playing really loose thus far. You know the vast majority of his range on this board is going to be air, so I I think you want to kind of value target like the ace highs and the small pairs, uh, because you're just going to have so many so few like value hands that you can get three streets from. Uh, I think once he calls, then you know on a lot of runouts you're going to want to value target more the top of his range. But when ranges are still really wide on the flop, I think you want to try to get value from yeah a wider range of hands and. So you said you've been playing with him for an hour and a half at this point, and he's been playing a lot of hands. Has been? Has been playing aggressively? Has he been, you know, not getting to showdown a lot, or has he been playing fairly passively and just making a ton of hands or something?
2: Very aggressively. Um, I, I definitely. The the reason why he was so successful early on is just because his aggressive style was just kind of was hard for a lot of the other players to play against that because they were, um, the, the, this particular table was was a lot a lot of older a lot of. Um, locals who just came to play in in the WBT event. Uh so his his aggressive style was very was was uh very effective against them, but e- e- even knowing that it was just he he was just playing way way too many hands. He he, he this guy thought he was, you know, like Gus Hansen. Um <laughs>
1: <laughs> was he definitely not a professional?
2: No, definitely not. <laughs> I I don't remember exactly what he was doing that there there were a few things uh I, I, I just remember specifically about him. He... he, he Pretty sure he was like 21 and, and was just, you know, thought he was all that.
1: Well, we've never been there.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, uh,
0: and then... Then I definitely like betting a sizing on the flop that's smaller. Not mm-hmm. only because we want to value target sort of his ace highs, which given this player type, I think he's a lot more likely to call with a hand like ace high mm-hmm. if we bet half pop. But I also think we're going to really tempt him to you know, just raise us with his air. And we have we have the type of hand where we're really comfortable getting into the game of like, you know, I dare you to, you know, raise me and try and, and get me off of this. Because obviously we're never going anywhere on any run out, really. So, yeah, I, I really like betting around half pot. Uh, and I think this player is going to be really tempted to raise just because, you know, as the early position preflop raiser... You're going to have a lot of hands that, one, you know, haven't made a pair, and your one pair over pair type hands. You might, you know, think that you're scared money, and he can get you, you know, to lay those down if he's, you know, sort of an arrogant young player. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, I, I like it. I think I'm. It, it's it's hard it's hard to say in the moment. I think half pots definitely a good a good ballpark in these spots. I like doing. I've talked about this podcast before, but making kind of like a fuck you bet where I feel like a quarter pot bet is going to be, you know, re-raised at a much higher rate than is proportional to the sizing difference between half pot and like quarter pot. But
0: Yeah, I just I personally think that a quarter pot just looks so strange that it's likely to sort of turn on some alarm bells. Like no one bets a quarter pot, and so you would have to have some sort of reason for betting a quarter pot. And I think this is the type of player who maybe is more likely to pounce on ordinary weakness rather than like unordinary weakness. So I, I wouldn't like that in the spot.
1: Yeah, no, no, I I agree. I guess w- without history against this player, I I, th- I, I agree with you. Jack Halfpots going to be better.
2: Yeah, and I, I think my my attitude at the time was definitely just um, let let's shut this down and just just take the pot down. So I, I was even surprised by by his call there just in the moment my i i i was just ready to to end, end, end that hand well hold on hold on you said ten, 10 7 3 rainbow and you're holding a set of sevens yeah no i i know i know it was it was more nerves than, than any, any, anything else because any, any other arena i see that and i'm like all right you know let's let's do do a smaller bet and uh get him in with a, with, a, with a worse hand
0: well i i appreciate your honesty and i you know, I know you're an experienced player and you know uh, that you shouldn't, you know, let your nerves affect your decision making to that degree. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, this is sort of the hallelujah, you know, I made a set against the most aggressive player at the table on, you know, a really disguised board. It's not that it's not the time to to like, let's end the pot. Oh, uh, yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. OK. Uh well, I assume you didn't bring this hand on the podcast because, well, yeah, I think you said he called already, but uh, I think we knew he wasn't just going to fold right? Uh, just by the context. So did he, did he call or did,
2: did he raise? You said he called? He, he did call, and the turn uh, came at a 10. And okay. at that point, and I, d- I definitely don't agree with uh, what I did here, but I, I went ahead and shoved.
1: Wait, 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 wait. He, he checked? Uh, yes, yes. Wow. So so now so the pot is like twenty four hundred now. You have approximately like a little over six thousand behind, and and you make the three x pot overbet shove. Hold on, hold on, hold
0: on. The pot's the pot's more than twenty four hundred
1: because he opened a. Uh, oh,
0: because of the pre flop four twenty five pre flop. So the pot is at like thirty two hundred or so. Okay, so like two uh, x pot. So there actually are some turn cards. Uh, where where I like this play. Mm-hmm. Because when he calls the flop, it's not a, it's not necessarily a dry heavy board, so he's not capped. Uh, but you having the overpairs and him being very unlikely to have the overpairs gives you a pretty significant range advantage, especially since you can also have 10 7s, maybe 3s. So I think, you know, with maybe a slightly different stack size and a different turn card, like let's say just like a deuce, mm-hmm. uh I could see shoving here with sort of a balanced range of your missed, uh, you know, ace high type hands and your overpairs, just to put maximum pressure on sort of his ten X, uh and his eights, nines, uh, sixes, fives, those types of hands. I think given this specific turn card and the fact that it's really much better for his range than your range, mm-hmm. I think you're gonna have a lot more success just checking back on this turn card. I think when you check back, you're you're not giving up any value against a 10 because you're gonna you're gonna be able to get it in on the turn against a 10. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, on the river. Yeah. So really what you're giving him an opportunity to do is take his maybe weaker hands like fours, fives, sixes, ace highs that he called you with on the flop and then bluff the river, you know, after this Event that's really much better for his range than yours happened, so so I definitely like checking back on this turn card.
1: Mm. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I think if we're betting, we're betting really small, but for kind of the reasons Jack described before, like even if this is kind of like a twenty-one year old thinks he knows it all but isn't an experienced player, I think like a small bet on this turn card might set up some alarm bells. Maybe sometimes you get him to make a really light check raise shove, but I think more often than not, when you check back. He's gonna bet with a really wide range on the river, and if he has a ten, uh, he's probably not folding when you when you re-raise him. So yeah, I think I think it's a pretty clear, pretty clear check back.
2: Well, anyway, he he did end up calling, and I actually I got the stack sizes very wrong because in in my, in my notes it says my first knockout, so um, I actually did have him covered. Okay, well, so Steven, what? Would you say what your stack size and what his stack size was to the best of your ability? Uh, yeah, my, mine mine was actually seven point five k. I had that right. I, th- I I thought that he had um me covered at that point, but he he had just lost a big hand from, from my my notes. He he had lost one a little earlier ago. Okay. Four, so. Well, I think that
0: makes the the shove a little bit better. Although I definitely still like uh, yeah. checking. Okay, and what did he call you with?
2: Uh, he showed ace ten and the river uh, was just an X all right sounds like sounds like you than... in yeah, <laughs> for sure
0: <laughs> okay, well, Stephen, uh, we'd love to give you a chance to plug whatever it is you know I know you're working on a couple of things right now, yeah, uh, do we want to give our listeners an opportunity to you know follow you and find out what you're up to
2: sure well i'll uh, I guess I'll start from the beginning here and just kind of. Explain sort of where where I'm coming from and my 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 approach to kind of what I'm doing. So I think it was about eight months ago now. I got in touch with someone who started to coach me in poker, and so and this was around a few months before the uh, tournament that I, that I played it uh, in in uh, Oklahoma. Um, and i uh, he uh, at the time was was giving me all these great advice and and showing me all these resources that i previously had had didn't had no clue that existed and around that time i was really because i'm i'm a web developer so around that time i was thinking you know hey uh, it'd be awesome to have a poker website that had links to all of these resources that you know players could go and you find you know a youtube channel of you know professional who you know do- doesn't necessarily is isn't really put out there by by the poker media a whole lot because you know of course to their credit they they want to promote uh th- their resources you know like uh card player is a good example you know they've got their card player poker school and all this other all these other great poker resources but um they're not always the best and so I thought it'd be great to have a website that, you know, players could go to and, you know, get all this training, all the, all these resources. And uh, more recently, uh, I, you know, I, along with that idea, I, I thought, you know, it works with poker news as well. There's a lot of poker news resources out there. Uh, a, lo- a lot of poker news, uh, since from, from researching, I found out, is very... Uh, Regionalized, you know, you've got you know you've got poker sites that are that are reporting on the U.S. poker, and then others that are reporting um, on legal issues around the world. Like, on the online poker report does some fantastic work on legal stuff, but but really finding all this news as a player, as somebody interested in in poker, uh, you you almost have to read every source out there to really get the best news. So, uh, taking those two ideas together uh, growing is the new website that I just put up last week. And it seeks to, you know, link to all of these great news articles related to poker around the web from all different sources. And then as well as resources, which uh, I'm still working on, on the resources part, but uh, eventually I'd like to bring in and just all these different resources from, you know, grips to YouTube channel to you guys. So, uh, that's kind of what i'm i'm look, looking to do and i think the name growing poker really um my, my my goal is really to just do what i can to support the game
0: all right steven well you know we don't want to keep you any longer but i look forward to seeing you know what what comes of growing poker and i i hope you you know accomplish all the goals you've set out you know in that in that realm i think is really awesome
2: yeah well thank you so much for having, having me on it was it was a lot of fun
0: yeah
1: thanks for coming on steven